Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Los Angeles voters will decide whether they want to require hotels across the city to provide vacant rooms to unhoused people. The city council voted Friday to put the contentious hotel voucher program to the 2024 ballot. This comes as hotels across the state are being phased out of Project Room Key, a federally funded homeless relief program that started during the COVID-19 pandemic. KCRW's Megan Jamerson reports. The proposed program would require hotels to report to the city regularly on how many of their rooms are unoccupied, and the city would pay hotels to give those vacant rooms to unhoused people using prepaid vouchers. While the city of L.A. hopes this voucher program will partly address the growing homeless crisis, those in the hotel industry spoke out in opposition during Friday's city council meeting. Many voiced concerns about hotel guest and worker safety and the effect of the program on business. Stuart Waldman is the president of the Valley Industry and Commerce Association. Hotels did not cause the homeless problem. Hotels are not the solution for the homeless problem. Among the handful of program supporters in attendance was the Hospitality Workers Union Unite Here Local 11. They argued that hotel operators and associations are unfairly biased against unhoused Angelinos, thinking every person is sick and a danger to others. In the end, the city council refused to enact the ordinance directly. Instead, it voted unanimously to send the measure to the ballot, giving voters the final decision in 2024. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson. A series of wildfires in Humble and Trinity counties in northwestern California has prompted evacuation orders. The Six Rivers Lightning Complex was sparked by lightning on Friday. There are currently eight active fires burning largely within Six Rivers National Park. The fire has burned more than 1,200 acres with zero containment thus far. A proposal to ban abortions in the Orange County city of San Clemente has been voted down following an emotional meeting over the weekend. The resolution from San Clemente City Councilman Steve Noblock called for the city to be a sanctuary for life. It would have prevented the permitting or zoning required for any facility that wanted to provide abortion in the city. Councilman Noblock explained his position during a special city council meeting on Saturday. All children are human and they deserve to be protected. And uh, I think that's vitally important. I know there's been a lot of uh, uh, vitriol uh, and and negative comments uh, regarding this issue. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's important. I think we need to value life. I know everyone doesn't agree. But Councilwoman Kathy Ward argued that this issue was beyond the control of the city. There are dangers when you wade into something that is that is state law. 
when you speak and when a council speaks, when we do any resolutions, they should be for the city of San Clemente and should represent concerns of the city of San Clemente and our residents. When you wade in on state law, you're encouraging the state to come in and wade in on your local jurisdiction. Dozens of residents spoke out on both sides of the issue before the council voted three to one to remove it from the council agenda. Noblock says his proposal was an effort to combat Proposition 1, which is on the November ballot in California. It would amend the state constitution to guarantee a right to an abortion and contraceptives. In other news, California women are more likely than men to be rent burdened, meaning they spend a third or more of their income on rent and other housing costs. That's according to a new study from the Gender Equity Policy Institute. KQED's Aditi Bundlamudi reports. It's no surprise that the housing crisis disproportionately affects women more than men. But this report focuses on the specifics. According to its findings, women are less likely to own their own homes and more likely to have extremely low incomes. The numbers are even worse for women of color and those living in cities like San Francisco, Oakland and Los Angeles. Nancy Cohen, who runs the institution, says it's unrealistic to expect people to just move to less expensive neighborhoods. Long commutes can be grueling for people balancing work and childcare. Individual solutions that people are taking to deal with a housing crisis are exacerbating gender inequality and exacerbating women's disadvantaged economic position. The report's authors propose more affordable housing near job centers in urban areas with more access to transportation. They also call for bringing a gender lens into housing policy making. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi in San Francisco. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The California Air Resources Board held a series of public listening sessions across the state last week. It's part of the board's latest plan to help the state achieve carbon neutrality by 2045. KBPR's Sarith Hawk attended Fresno's meeting with some of the top concerns facing the San Joaquin Valley. Dozens of farm workers, business owners, citizens and advocates packed the meeting at Fresno City College to hear the agency known as CARB present its 2022 scoping plan. Many farm workers expressed their concerns about long-term exposure to pollution, and others spoke out against the emissions from dairies. 
Stanley Young of CARB says the plan outlines clean energy options for every sector of the economy. Those include phasing out oil and gas extraction and reducing methane emissions from agriculture. We're in a climate emergency and we need to move as fast as we can while allowing the economy to come along and develop. But business advocates worry about the potential for job losses. Clint Olivier of the Central Valley Business Federation questioned whether all of California's energy needs can be met. They know that when they eliminate oil and gas from the state of California, that they will have no way to power 40 million people. The agency held two other listening sessions in Oakland and Los Angeles. A virtual session will be held Tuesday, August 9th from 5.30 to 8 p.m. For the California Report, I'm Sarith Hawk in Fresno. A federal lawsuit has been filed against the sheriff in Siskiyou County and other county officials alleging that Asian American residents have been unfairly discriminated against. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has more. The lawsuit was brought about by four Asian American community members. Among other things, they claimed they've been harassed by sheriff's deputies and discriminated against in public meetings. Emmy Young is with the ACLU of Northern California. There's quite a bit of evidence from the county's own records uh, that shows they are engaged in a pattern of racially motivated and targeted traffic stops. The suit claims the sheriff's department targets Asian American drivers at a rate 12 times greater than the Asian American driving age population. Glenn Caton, litigation director with the Asian Law Caucus, says the county has also made it difficult for many Asian Americans in the community to have easy access to water. One of the, the, the big water restriction ordinances that regulated how you could transport water in trucks only applied to roads that were surrounding the predominantly Hmong and Asian American communities. A lawsuit filed last year claimed that new water policies limiting water usage and deliveries were aimed at Hmong farmers who grow marijuana. An injunction was issued on those policies. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. We've reached out to the county and sheriff's departments for comment and have not heard back from them yet. And finally, farm workers from across the state have joined the March for the Governor's Signature, a 335-mile trek from Kern County to Sacramento to show support for a voting rights bill. Although farm workers say the bill is critical for unionization, some argue that it will not accomplish what it's intended to do. KVPR's Esther Quintanilla has more. Hundreds of Californians gathered at the United Farm Workers' first headquarters in Delano Wednesday morning. They were wearing light layers, sun hats, and lots of sunscreen. They carried signs that said, support farm workers in English and Spanish. Some were marching the whole 24-day route, and others were only joining for a day, like Andres Chavez, the grandson of Cesar Chavez, UFW's co-founder. There's a lot of barriers that stand in the way. When farm workers are looking to organize, there's a lot of coercion, a lot of power and intimidation used against workers. At 8 a.m., the group set off to march in support of expanded voting rights. It isn't the first time farm workers have embarked on this route. In 1966, Cesar Chavez led strikers on a similar path to call for better working conditions and higher wages. On the first anniversary of Chavez's death in 1994, marchers took the same route to kick off a new negotiation campaign. 
Andres Chavez says this traditional march is just another way to honor Cesar Chavez. My grandfather said that if you want to remember him, organize. And today what's happening is we're organizing. That's how we carry on his legacy today. Farm workers are marching in support of the Agricultural Labor Relations Voting Choice Act, Assembly Bill 2183. Assemblymember Mark Stone co-authored it. Well, AB 2183 is really a fairly simple mechanism to give farm workers the opportunity to mail in ballots, vote from home, fill it out, seal the envelope, mail it in. Last year, Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed a similar bill, AB 616. In a letter addressed to the state assembly, Newsom said he could not support the bill because of various inconsistencies in its implementation. Multiple chambers of commerce throughout the Central Valley stand in opposition to the bill. They labeled it a job killer, saying it would coerce and misinform farm workers when casting ballots during secret elections. Ian LeMay is the president of the California Fresh Fruit Association. He says the bill actually eliminates farm workers' right to vote and the secret ballot in union elections. He believes there's more effective legislation that should be taken. There's actually a federal example in the National Labor Relations Act that already allows for vote-by-mail balloting in union elections, and that if the governor were to mimic that existing practice, it would be an easy implementation for the ALRB. Despite what critics say, Delano's mayor pro tem, Veronica Vasquez, is certain Newsom will sign AB 2183. It's going to happen. I'm very confident. That's been my mentality. I talk things to existence and I'm beyond optimistic because I believe that he'll do the right thing. As Vasquez and the rest of the crowd took off Garces Highway, it was already 80 degrees and it was only going to get hotter throughout the day. They were chanting, we can do it in Spanish, as they walked in single file. Dolores Huerta, one of UFW's co-founders, said marching in the summer is a great sacrifice. She says she wants everyone to send prayers to the marchers, because there's going to be brutal heat. Maria de Ludres Carrillo is a farm worker from Kern County. She's going to march most of the route to Sacramento. She says she's marching for her husband, her sons, and all the farm workers who couldn't make it out. She says they're with her in spirit on the march, and she's supporting them as they continue to work in the fields. The march is expected to end on August 26th on the steps of the state capitol. For the California Report, I'm Esther Quintanilla in Fresno. And that's the California Report for Monday, August 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org health equity. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and... 
I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.